With Hashem Salt, we are continuing the sugi here in Saita. We are up to Daf Yud Gimel, learning about Miriam Hanaviyah. We left off on Daf Yud Beis, Ahmed Beis, two lines from the bottom. Three lines from the bottom. So it says in the Torah of Atikach, Miriam Hanaviyah, Achois Aharoin, that after, during the nest of Kriyas Yamsuf, after we left Egypt, so the Torah relates how Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron took the toif, took the tambourine in her hand. The goimer asks the Gemara, why is she identified as the sister of Aaron? Is she not the, the sister of Moshe? Or that comes to teach you that she already became a Nevi'ah. She already was saying prophecy even when she was only Aaron's sister. In other words, even before Moshe Rabbeinu was born, she was already Miriam Hanaviyam, Dafyud Gimel. And what prophecy was she saying before Moshe Rabbeinu was born? That in the future my mother will have the child, that will save the Jewish people. And when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, and as we learned yesterday, Nismalo, Abayas, Kula, Oir, and the entire home was filled with light. So everyone right away saw that this is the child that will be the savior of the Jewish people. Amadavia, her father, stood up, Amram, the Nashka Al Resha, and he kissed her on her head. And Omar Lani told her, Biti, my daughter, Niskaima, Nevua Sayyach, that your prophecy is becoming fulfilled. However, Vechiven, Shehitiluli, Oir, when later, three months later, he was put by his mother in the wicker basket into the Yo'or. Interestingly here, the Gemara is accepting, right, the opinion. Yesterday we learned that the Suf is either the Yamsuf or the Suf was simply an Agam. And here we are mentioning a third opinion, apparently, that it was put actually into the Nile itself. And when that happened, her father stood up and tapped her on her head. And he told her, my daughter, where is your prophecy? And not, God forbid, to misunderstand that Amram was having a doubt in Amunah. But just like we find later that his son, Moshe Rabbeinu, after he initiated his interactions with Paray, and things got much worse. So Moshe Rabbeinu turned to God at the end of Parsha Shemais, and he says, Loma that why did you make it worse for these people? And that questioning wasn't chas v'sholem, a negative questioning. The opposite. Moshe Rabbeinu had a munah that it's going to get good. And because of that amuna, he turned to Hashem, and he told Hashem, he wants to understand what we believe in. It doesn't look like this is coming true. So explain it to me. This is something that he took from his father. Not that his father had a doubt. His father being that he knew that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to be the savior of the Jewish people, he turned to the prophetess, he turned to Atzadik, to Atzadikis, and he cried out, what will happen? What's going to happen? He, it's, it's some sort of, as the Rebbe told us, that we have to shout out, Ad Masai, until when are we going to be in Golos? We believe that God is running the world, obviously. And precisely because of that, we cry out, until when, and that's the meaning of the Pasuk, that, 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 that Miriam Hanaviyah stood in the distance. We learned this Pasuk yesterday in Dafyud Beis. To know Maye Asaloi. In other words, she again, she had full amuna that he's going to be saved. She simply wanted to know how he's going to get saved. She was curious to see exactly how will God's salvation come. 
to see how her prophecy will play out. Now the Gemara continues to quote from the Mishnah that Mida connected Mida, the Chain Le'ingen Hatoiva, or maybe the opposite. It's not the it's not the same by good, because according to everyone, good is rewarded a lot more, right? Still, in the concept of Mida connected Mida, the quality of the good that we do comes back to us five hundred fold. So Yosef was the one that was occupied in the burial of his father. And who is greater amongst the Jewish people than Moshe Rabbeinu and who occupied himself with burying Yosef? Moshe Rabbeinu. Says the Gemara Meishnamikara, why is it that when the trader begins to relate the burial of Yaakov Avinu, it says, and Parshas Vayichi Vayal Yosef, Likboid Es Aviv, that Yosef went up. Whenever you go to Eretz Yisrael, you're going up. He went up to bury his father Vayalu Itoy, and with him went up all of the Avdei Paraim. And only after the Torah mentions the Egyptians that went up, does the Torah say in the, pas- in the next Pasuk, in Pasuk Ches, that Vechol Beis Yosef, and all of the household of Yosef, Echav and his brothers, right? Ubeis Aviv, and, and, and the entire household of Yaakov Avinu. In other words, Egyptians first, then the rest of the Bnei Yisrael. And why is it Umaishna that Lebasoif, when they were returning to Egypt, there the order in the Torah is the reverse. The Torah says, Vayoshav Yosef Mitzrayma, that Yosef is returning to Egypt, who came with him. So here the Torah says, who? Then firstly, the Torah mentions his brothers, and only after the brothers of Yosef are mentioned, then Vahadar Vachol, Ha'olim Itain, everyone else that went up with him, Likboid es aviv, meaning the Egyptians. So why are the Egyptians mentioned only at the end when they are returning? initially When the Egyptians did not see the honor that all of the other nations of the world, particularly the Bnei Esav and the Bnei Yishmael, were giving to the entire household of Yaakov. So when they didn't see that honor, they also did not afford them that level of honor. But when they were returning, since they already witnessed, they saw the honor that was given to the entire household of Yosef. So then they too, followers. All right, if everyone else is giving them honor, then we will also give them honor. And where do we know that everyone else gave honor to all of the children of Yaakov, to the old of the B'nai Yisrael? Because it says that that when they were going there to bury him, they reached a place called Goiran Ha'atot. Goiran means a threshing floor. What is normally stored in a threshing floor? Grain. Atot means thorns. They reached a place called the threshing floor of thorns. Asks the Gemara in the Eshley La'atat. Is there anyone that they somehow they store thorns in a threshing area? To which explained that there were so many crowns surrounding the casket of Yaakov that it appeared like a garden, like a threshing floor. How did people secure? What was the uh, primitive uh, security system in the good old days? When you had a storage room filled of something of value, you surrounded it with thorns. So people should not be able to enter there. So there were so many crowns surrounding the casket of Yaakov, just like thorns surround a goidon. And why were there that many thro- uh, crowns there? Because Shabu b'nei Esav b'nei Yishmael, or the Bach Shabu Sham b'nei Esav b'nei Yishmael, and b'nei Keturam. 
And as we learn in Abraisa Tana Kulam Lamulchamabo, they came there to wage war against the Bnei Yisrael. However, Vikivin Shiro Kisra Shal Yosef Toloi Ba'arena Shal Yaakov, when they saw how Yosef at Sadik's crown, and he was then the viceroy in the superpower. And when Yosef at Sadik, in, in, in reverence to his father, he took off his crown and he put it on the Aram Kaidish of Yaakov. When they saw that, so they, there was a Zahisabcha, they became transformed. Not only did they not wage war, they showed the greatest respect to Yaakov and because of Yaakov to the sons of Yaakov. Not Lokulam Kisraim, all of them took off their crowns, Utilaum, and they hung it, or they put it on top of Ba'arainishal Yaakov. And the Aran Kaidish of Yaakov and Tana, we learned how many people, how many kings were there. It was no small matter. Shloishim Vishishak Sodom, there were 36 crowns, Nitlu Ba'arainishal Yaakov. As Rashi points out, Right, third, fourth line from the top, still on the wide lines. Shloishim v'shishim, v'shishok sodom, 36, two times high. Who are they? Well, first you had the crown of Yosef HaTzadik, that's one. Then you had the Yudbeis Nesim of Yishmael. Twelve of the tribes of Yishmael, each of their leaders, put their crown, that's 13. Plus 23, who were the 23? Alufim, the generals of Esau. And Ashi goes on to make the exact cheshven. So and that total is 36. Back in the Gemara of Ayisbudu Sham, and over there, in that Goyden Ha'ata, they made a Mispat Gadol, a great and a imposing, Kavid means a imposing eulogy, Mo'id. So Tanabi learned what's the meaning of there was a great and an imposing Hesped, Even horses, even donkeys were participating in the eulogy. Either it means, the Masha says that they, the animals were dressed in black, Mikan, that to a uh, funeral you dress in black. Other commentators explain that being that there was a famine that we know ended when Yaakov went up to Mitzrayim, the moment Yaakov Avinu passed away, the famine came back. And the result was that even the animals, even the Susam and the Chamairim, they were hungry. And they were crying out for food. So their cries were part of the Hesped. That was testimony to the greatness of Yaakov Avinu or Susam and Chamairim is alluding to certain nations Right? That everyone, even if they were not yet that intelligent, they understood the laws of Yaakov Avinu. And Kivin when they came to Hebron, to the doubled cave, also Esau, Esau of Harasha was still there, and he came, and he was trying to stop them from the burial. How was he going to stop them from burying Yaakov Avinu? He told them that Mamre Kiryas Arba hi Hebron. And why is that area called Kiryas Arba? Because Arba, Zuga, Yisrael, there are four pairs that are buried or that were destined to be buried in that cave. Who are the four pairs? Adam and Chava. That's pair number one. That's two. Avram and Sarah, pair number two. So you have four. Yitzchak and Nifka, pair number three. You have six. And Yaakov and Leah, four pairs. However, says the Gemara, came along, and he says, one second. After Yitzchak passed away, there were only two places left, right? And then who passed away before Yaakov? Leah. Really, Rachel also passed away first. But Rachel, as she herself wanted, as Yaakov later explained to his son Yosef, she was buried where she wanted to be buried. And she wanted to be buried on the road. So when, when Jewish people go into Golos, they would have where to stop and to daven. And that was then. She was the only one that actually succeeded in her tefillahs. And Hashem promised all of us that we will all return, right, to our boundaries. However, Iyu, 
But when Leah passed away, Yaakov used up one of the last two spaces to bury Leah. So said Esav, that hide the payish, the remaining one, Didi, who belongs to me. Amrulei, so the children of Yaakov told Esav, Zabinta, you sold him your part. Amrulei, so he says, that's not true. That Nehi, the Zabini, Bechairusa, I sold my rights to the Bechairah, to the Bechairah. And in the Torah, the older son gets a double portion. So when a father leaves two children, his belongings are not divided into two, they're divided into three. And the older one gets a double portion. So I sold those rights, but I didn't walk away from the inheritance. If I sold my Bechairah, that means that everything should be divided 50-50. Okay, so there were two parts left. There were two burial spots left. One was for Yaakov and one is for me. Yaakov decided to give it to Leah. Okay, gesund to hate. But the last one is mine. And more than that, as we know, that uh, people were saying that Esau is destined to marry Leah and Yaakov is destined to marry Rachel. So Esau felt that he didn't get it here. Her, Bechayov, at least now they should be buried together. Pshitusa Mizavini, did I give you my, 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 my simple rights as a son? Not as a firstborn. So Amrulei, so the Ben Yaakov told Esav, nah, in, yes, you specifically sold him that spot. And how do we know that? Because the Chzifet says, when Yaakov Avinu was about to pass away in Egypt, and when he instructed his sons, first Yosef HaTzadik, and then all of his sons, that he wants to be buried, Dafke and Chevrain, in the Ma'ara Samach so he said, Bikivri, in my grave, Asher Korisi Li, what does Korisi mean? So it means acquired, that means he bought it, as Rabbi Yechanan said, in the name of Rabbi Shemem Ben Yoyit Sadak, that Ein Kira, El Oloshen Mechira, and where do we find that the word Kira, Metakof, means to buy or to sell, to acquire, in certain islands, so Yaakov told them that I bought it. So specifically, there was a time in which Esau sold to Yaakov that spot. When was that time? Many of the Mepharshim say that was when later, when Esau was coming with 400 men to kill Yaakov and his family. And at that moment, there was some sort of understanding between them. And during that understanding, when Yaakov gifted him a tremendous amount of money, what he got then in return was that final spot in the Ma'ara Samach Pelo. So Omar Lohusa Esav says, yeah, your father said that he bought it. Havuli Garti, go bring me the, the deed of sale. Bring me the letter of sale. Omrulei, so they tell Esav that that the letter of sale is in Egypt. We never thought that we will have to bring it. We thought that you would admit to it. Uman Nezel, so the brothers amongst themselves asked who should run back to Egypt. So they said, Nezel, Naftali the Kolo, that Naftali that is light, Naftali that is swift, right, swift like a deer, as Kia Yalto, as it says in the Pasik, Naftali is like a Ayolo Shaluchi, he's like a hind let loose. Hanoisen, who delivers Imre Shepherd, he delivers beautiful words. And Amar Ababo, don't say that Naftali delivers Imre Shepherd beautiful words. Elos Imre Sefer, that he was the one destined to bring the word of the, of the, of, of the scribe. He was the one to bring the deed of the sale. And everyone was waiting for him to return. Now Naftali had this extraordinary power in running quickly. So they felt that until he returns, they'll have to wait. Now, all of that was because they engaged in a debate with Esau. So, you know, when you enter a debate, even though you know you're right, when you hear your opponent's arguments, it has some sort of effect on you. There was one person there that couldn't hear the argument. 
And who was that? Chushim. Chushim, the son of Don. Tamon Hava, he was there. And the Yakrin Leudnei, and his heirs, his hearing was weakened, was heavy. And therefore, he only saw this debate, but he couldn't hear the arguments of Esav. So he was not nispoil, uh, he was not intimidated by it, he was not affected by it. And he asked, My high, why are they not burying our Zaydim? And they told him, That one over there, that Esav, he's stopping us from burial, from burying Yaakov. Until when Naphtali will return from Egypt with the proof that that spot belongs to Yaakov. Omar Lohu, so he said, Until when Naphtali is going to return? Should Zayda be laying here without, in shame? He was upset. Shokal Kulfa, he took a staff, and he gave him a zetz. He hid Esau on his head. And that, that killed Esav. Not only did Esav die from that blow, but Nasran Ene, his eyes popped out. And the Naflu, and they rolled, and they fell, Akara de Yaakov. They fell, Mamish, on the feet of Yaakov. And in that moment, says the Gemara, Upaschinu Yaakov le'ene, va'achich Yaakov then opened his eyes and he smiled. And and that's the meaning of the Pasik and to heal him, that Yismach Tzadik, that the Tzadik will rejoice, because he will see his revenge. So Yaakov Avinu saw how Esau's eyes were laying at his feet. And it says in the Pasik and Tehillim that Pa'amav, that the feet of the Tzadik, Yirchatz, will be washed with the blood of the wicked. Because there was blood in those eyes, and they were laying on the feet of Yaakov Avinu. Now we have another medrash that says that his head fell off and it rolled to the lap of Yitzchak. It's not a contradiction. So he had a head mid Yitzchak, but his eyes fell to Yaakov. And And at that moment, people realized that the prophecy of Rivka became fulfilled. And Parshas told us, right after the, the incident, of Yaakov Avinu getting the brachis of his father. And Rivka was afraid because she felt that Esav, she knew that Esav in his heart is planning to kill Yaakov. So she got Yaakov to leave. And the words that she used was, Lama, Eshkal, Gam, Shenechem. Why will I be bereaved from both of you on the same day? Now, in truth, they did not pass away on the same day, but they were buried on the same day. Because when Yaakov was being buried, right then, Esav was killed. And Vafagav the Gemara says, True, they didn't die. She was not bereaved. In other words, they didn't pass away on the same day. But but they were buried on the same day. Now, don't forget that Yaakov Avinu is, is included amongst those unique tzaddikim that we say, An Yaakov, that Yaakov Avinu Bechal didn't die. Yaakov Avinu Loimais. So the only type of bereavement that we had on Yaakov to begin with was only the Yoim HaKavura. And the burial of Yaakov and the burial of Esav was on the same day. Also Mikan, that certain people, at least for the first year, they marked the yard site on the Yoim HaKavura. And all of this originates also from this story that Rivka Imenu spoke about becoming bereaved. And she was referring to not the Yoim HaMisa, but to the Yoim HaKavura. Now we're going back to the Mishnah. And the Mishnah said... Again, that Yosef was the one that was burying his father, and Mida connected Mida, and Mida and Mida Tevim Meruba. Moshe Rabbeinu was busy burying Yosef. 
Now, the way the Mishnah words it, one can misunderstand and think that if not for Yosef HaTzadik being occupied and burying his father, no one else would. And the Gemara says, one second, V'iloi, the Bach, I'asak, bei Yosef. So the Gemara says, what do you think? Echov Don't misunderstand that his brothers, the brothers, the Bnei Yaakov, wouldn't have buried their father. First of all, they tagged along. But the Iker, the main one, was Yosef. And it says, You know, after Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, so who, who do you think brought Yosef to Eretz Yisrael? All of the Bnei Yisrael. So Amru, Yomar explains that they said everyone wanted to have the merit. But being that Yosef also wanted to be part of, so they said amongst themselves, Hanichuloi. Let Yosef do it. Why? Because Kavaidai, because our father's honor will be magnified when he will be act, when he is going to be carried by kings. And when kings do something, they give more cover than had Yotis simpletons. And then the Mishnah says, Mi Yosef, who was treated with as much honor as Yosef Atzadik. we learned in boy, hey, come and see. Kama mitzvahs al how much Maishrabainu loved mitzvahs. Shakol Yisrael Kulam this askubabiza when the Yamsuf closed back on the Egyptians, and amongst the many miracles was that the sea spit out all of the wealth that the Egyptians took with them. And this is called the booty of the sea, Biza Sayam. And gathering those gold and silver and all the other valuables was, to a certain degree, a mitzvah because Hashem promised Avram Avinu that we're going to leave Egypt with a great amount of wealth, with Rechush Gadol. So all of the Jewish people were busy gathering the wealth. And Vahu, but Maishu Rabbeinu Nasasik B'mitzvahs was busy with mitzvahs. Shanemar as it says, Chacham Leiv, the one who has a wise heart, he will take the mitzvahs. And as we explained yesterday, that if we can divide the Yiddishkeit into mitzvahs that benefit a person, versus mitzvahs that primarily are benefiting the world, that we, a Hasidim, were educated that the Iker Kavana of the mitzvahs is to make a Dira to do that which betters the world. When they were gathering the gold and the silver, even though it was a mitzvah, one who would observe might have thought that they're doing it for themselves. Yeah, I'm getting a mitzvah, I'm getting Elam Haba, I'm getting an Eden, I'm getting gold, I'm on me. So what of the mitzvahs there was a mitzvah that it was apparent that it's not about the person. It's about to help something else, to make the world better, to bring more kedusha in the world. That was the mitzvah of being busied with the Aroi Noishal Yosef. And that is what Moshe Rabbeinu chose to do. How did Moshe Rabbeinu find him? So here's the famous Gemara. So says the Gemara, Amru Serech Basasher that they told Moshe Rabbeinu, you want to get Yosef HaTzadik's remains, the person that is still around from those days is Serach, the daughter of Asher. And as Toysavis points out, I, there were descendants of Yosef HaTzadik himself that were living. And who do you think would know where Yosef HaTzadik is buried more than anyone else? His children and grandchildren. But being that Moshe Rabbeinu witnessed that the Bnei Ephraim left Egypt 30 years earlier, right? Like we learned that Ulay, that's one of the opinions, that those were the bones in the valley of Yecheskel's Nevoah. And as we see later, that Menashe took their portion, so he did not trust them that much. Because he knew that he needed to bring Yosef HaTzadik's bones into Israel. So the Bnei Ephraim were not there. 
the Bnei Menashe didn't love Israel as much as, at least as it appears. So who was from that generation? The daughter of Asher, Serach. And she, according to some, lived forever. In other words, even though we have, right in Bava Basra, that there were four tzaddikim that died, but then we have others that never died. And amongst them is Serach, the daughter of Asher. That she was the one that notified Yaakov Avino that Yosef is still alive. And she did it with a lot of wisdom. She did it in a way that he did not get over frightened and that could have hurt his health. So he, be- he blessed her with long life. And Vekachava, she's still living. So in any event, she was alive then. And Halach, Halach Moshe, Etzla, Moshe went to her. And Amar and Moshe Rabbeinu told her, Klum at Yoidat Heichon Yosef cover. Do you know where Yosef is buried? So Amr she tells Moshe Rabbeinu, The Egyptians made for him a casket of metal. And after he passed away, they set him. In other words, they threw him into the Nilos and he sat there because he's buried in something very heavy. And he sat in the Nilos. Why did they set him in the Nilos? Not to disrespect him, but the opposite. They wanted the Nilos waters to be blessed, and they looked at Yosef HaTzadik as a source of blessing, so they wanted him in the Nilos. So, stood on the edge of the Nilos, and Omar Loi and Moshe Rabbeinu began to call out to Yosef. And he said two times, Yosef, Yosef, Lashon Chiba. The time came, that God swore, that I, God Almighty, will redeem the Jewish people. And now the time of the oath. Whose oath? Your oath. You made us swear that we're going to take you out. So we are here. If you will show yourself mutaf, then we're going to take you and we will fulfill what we swore we will. But if you're not going to help us out, then we are free from keeping the oath because we can't. So immediately, the Aron of Yosef floated to the top. There is a medrash that says, and we learned this in Cheder, that Moshe Rabbeinu took a golden plate, and one of Hashem's holy names was engraved in that plate, and on top of that, they wrote the words, Alei Shoir, Alei Shoir, twice. Ax, Yosef Atzadik, right, represented, so rise up, you Ax. And the Aron went up, and when Moshe Rabbeinu was busy getting out the Aron Kodesh of Yosef Atzadik, Micha was the one that stole that plate. And that was the plate that was used later, when unfortunately we made the golden calf, so Aaron Akain was melting gold together. But that plate had Hashem's name in it, and when he threw it into that fire, that was part of the uh, mistake of the golden calf. In Baal Tetama, the Gemara says, and don't wonder, Ha'eich Barzal Tzof, how can metal float? Don't wonder. Shahreik Siv, it says regarding Elisha, that one of his students was cutting down trees. And for that, he used an axe. So as the Talmud of Elisha was cutting down a tree, that the head of the axe, the metal part of the axe, fell into a body of water. And the moment that happened, so the student of Elisha says, Aho, Aho means, Oi, Oi vei, Adoini, my master, Elisha, for who showed it was borrowed? What am I going to do? So the man of God, Elisha, said, Anna, no, show me where did the, 
that metal piece of metal fall, Vayare, you are some came in the student, showed his teacher the place, and it says that Vayikatse for eights that he cut out a piece of wood, Vayashlech Shama and Elisha threw it on top of the water, and Vayatsev Habarzel and the iron went up to, the, to that piece of floating wood. So says the Gemara, when it comes to Elisha, who was Elisha? Elisha was the student of Elio. And we know that Pinchas Elio. So Elio was a student of Moshe. In other words, Elisha was a grandson of Moshe. He was the Talmud of the Talmud. By Dalton Rebbe called himself the grandson of the Baal Shem Tev. So if he had the power to Barzal Mipanov, that metal floated for him. So Mipnei Moshe, Rabbeinu, for sure metal can float. And the casket came up. That's one version. Rabbi Nosson says, no, nah, he wasn't put into the Nilos, but Bakabarnit Shel Malachim Haya cover that he, Yosef Atzadik, was buried in a royal catacomb amongst many other of those parois. Halach Moishev, Omad al Kabarnit Shel Malachim. Moishev Rabbeinu went to that catacomb. And Omad, and he said, Yosef, the same expression. Yosef, here it's only once. The time came that God's oath, which is that Hashem is going to redeem us, came on the time of the oath. Came for us to take you. Good. And if not, then we're free. We can't. So at that time, the casket of Yosef trembled. So he knew which one of those uh, catacombs is the catacomb of Yosef Atzadik, and the Tolei Moshe Moshe took him, and and he brought Yosef's Adon with him. So many of the commentators explain what's the machlekas between was he in the Nilus or was he in the catacomb of kings. So the Nilus represents livelihood. Being in the bottom of the Nilus means you're very poor. The catacomb of kings represents you're very rich. And throughout Golos, we were challenged by Hashem with two general tests. You have the Nesoyen of poverty, that because of poverty, sometimes people can lose their Yiddishkeit. And sometimes because of extreme wealth and the temptations that that might bring, a person can also lose their way. So the power of a Rebbe, the power of a Tzaddik, is that any Jew and every Jew, no matter where they're sunken into, whether they fell into the Nesoyen of Anius, or of Ashidus, when Tarebe, the Rebbe calls out your name, and he has the Kayach to awaken your Neshama and to schlep you with him. Very good point. Point well taken. Because when the miracles happen, we get so used to it that we take them for granted. It's like mamish, like our lives. We have all of these miracles every day, and still, Nothing changed. And during all of the years that we were in the desert, we had amongst us these two caskets. One of Yosef HaTzadik, and one was the Arun Kodesh that housed the Luchos. And they were going one with the other. Now let's just clarify something. The Arun of Yosef was not mamish together with the Arun of the Ten Commandments. That was in the Kodesh HaKadosh. And true, we learned, interestingly, that Tumas Meis, which on one hand is the highest level of Tuma, Rabbi had this just recently in Nazar, nevertheless, a Tumas Meis can even enter Machna Levia. A Meis can enter even Machna Levia, which was where Moshe Rabbeinu lived. So they weren't together. The Arun Kodesh is in Machna Shechina. This is a Machna Levia, but they were close in proximity. And in contrast to all of the other remains of the 12 tribes, the other 11 tribes, as we learned, 
that Yosef HaTzadik, when he said, All of the Shvatim were taken and buried in Eretz Yisrael. So the other 11 caskets were not allowed in Machna Leviyah. But the Aaron of Yosef was the one near the Machna Shechina. And people that came and went, they asked, Why are these two caskets in proximity? And what, who are they? What are they? So Amru, when they responded, one belongs to a mace, to a human being that physically is no longer here. And one of them belongs to the Shechina. Is it appropriate to have a casket of a human being together near to the Aron Kodesh? Amru, they said, yes, absolutely. That the one here, Yosef HaTzadik, kept everything that it says in the Ten Commandments. And as the Ben Ishchai and the Ben Yehoyada says, that Zeh is Zion Hey. What's the seventh commandment? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Yosef HaTzadik did not commit adultery when he was tempted with the wife of Potiphera. As Rashi points out, that there was a Vayimo'en mitashal sheles. Why? Because for, there was a moment when he felt that he might stumble. So we learned that Nidus loyed the Musti Yoik that he saw the image of his father's face. The father is the fifth commandment. So because of the kibbutz av that he had, he didn't stumble with adultery. That's Zez, Zion Hay, that he kept the seventh commandment because he kept the fifth commandment and he kept all of the commandments. Gavalik continues the Gemara again. From the wording of the Mishnah, it could appear that if not from Moshe Rabbeinu, no one would have taken him. So don't make that mistake, says the Gemara. The Eloi... Again, with the Bach, what do you think? You think the other Jewish people wouldn't have been busy with taking out Yosef HaTzadik? Of course not, because it says actually that when Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, so he was unable to finish the mission of burying him into Israel because up until this point, Moshe Rabbeinu did not yet enter the land of Israel. So who buried Yosef HaTzadik? All of the Jewish people. And it says in the Chumash, that the bones of Yosef, that all of the Jewish people took out of Egypt, were buried in Shechem. So we see that the Bnei Yisrael, actually, the way it's written here, they actually took him out of Egypt, which is Akasha. We'll get to that in a moment. And furthermore, and even if not for the Bnei Yisrael, being occupied and caring for the bones of Yosef, one of me, Eloi, me aski bay. Why do you think his descendants wouldn't have buried him? It says, Yosef that the descendants of Yosef got the city of Shechem as a inheritance. And who did they bury in their city? Yosef Atzadik. Now, if they would not have loved Yosef Atzadik, they wouldn't have buried him in their inheritance. Right until today, people make cemeteries outside the city, not inside your uh, lot of land. Fakir, because of the great love that they had for him, right, they buried him in Shechem. So again, explains the Gemara, everyone wanted to do it. The question was, who's direct occupying oneself with the remains of Yosef will give Yosef more dignity. See, if it's about me getting a mitzvah, they would all fight for the mitzvah. I want a mitzvah, I want a mitzvah. It's not about me getting the mitzvah, it's about Yosef Atzadi getting honored. And they realized that how will Yosef Atzadi get the most honor? If Moshe Rabbeinu will be the one doing it. Amru, they said, let Moshe do it. Because first, if it was amongst the Bnei Yosef and the Bnei Yisrael, who would you choose? So the Bnei Yosef says, first, if it's between 
a few people, only family, or the whole community. So he'll get more honor, right, if all of the community will be involved. And amongst the Jewish community in its entirety, between the Bnei Yisrael and Moshe Rabbeinu, then it says in the Pasik that Kavru Bishchem, that they buried Yosef at Sadik and Shem asks the Gemara, why? Maishna Bishchem, Omar Abcham, Omar Abchanino, Mishchem, Ganvuhu, they kidnapped Yosef at Sadik from Shem, Ulishchem, Nachzer Avidosay, and you return a lost article from where it came from. So you return him to Shem. Asks Rashi the big question that in Chumash, Shuta Shal Mikra, right? Yaakov Avinu told his son Yosef, I want you to go to Shechem to see how your brothers are doing. But when he came to Shechem, right, a man asked Yosef, what are you looking for? And he says, I'm looking for my brothers. And what did that man, Gabriel, tell Yosef Atzadik? That that he left, that they left Shechem. And they went Doisna. And it says he went to Doisan. So how was he kidnapped in Shechem? So first of all, Doisan could have been a suburb of Shechem. But Rashi over here is the one that explains that that was not that they geographically left Shechem. You were asking, the Malach tells Yosef HaTzadik, where are my brothers? He told them, they're no longer your brothers. They went away from being brotherly. And they went to Doisan. Doisan comes from the word Das. Das means religion. Religion is judgment. They're judging you. Anyways, back in the Gemara, Koshu, Akra, Yadodi, the Gemara says, and we have a contradiction. It says, that Moshe Rabbeinu was the one that took the bones of Yosef, but then we just read a Pasuk, that when they buried Yosef at Tzadik in Shechem, what do we say? It says, we had this on this Ahmed, etc. So who took him out of Egypt? Moshe or the Bnei Yisrael? Ah, Whenever someone begins something, but they don't finish it, and someone else finishes it, then says, that the one who finishes it gets the credit for doing it in its whole entirety. Now really, Moshe Rabbeinu was unable to finish it. So there's nothing wrong with that. And that's really the story of the Jewish people. That the bringing of the Shekhinah into this world was never meant to be done in one generation. It's a generational goal. But if someone is able to finish something and they don't finish it, then they lose all of the credit. And like Rabbi Yelazer says, not only do they lose all the credit, he loses his greatness. As it says, for example, that that after Yehuda, who could have saved Yosef Atzadik, and Yehuda began to save Yosef Atzadik because the brothers were contemplating, God forbid, to kill him. So he was the one Yehuda that started to do the Hatzalah, don't kill him, let's sell him. You started to save him, you should have fully saved him. Ah, you didn't completely save him, so Yehuda had a Yerida, and that's the whole story where he went and he got married. Write the whole story with Tomar. Says the Gemara, not only is he lowered from his level, Rabbi Shmuel Barachmeni says, He even, God forbid, has to bury his wife and children. As it says, The wife died before him. Why did he have to go undergo that? Because he didn't finish to save Yosef. And also it says, Now really we learn together in Yuvamis, right, in the Lamids, that why did Aiden Anand die? Because they were dash mibafnim v'zoyra bachutz, because of Moitzizara Levatola. But that's only why Aiden Anand died. They had their own sins. 
But that doesn't explain why the father needed to undergo the suffering. So his part was that he did not save Yosef HaTzadik. He didn't finish to save him. Yosef HaTzadik himself, like Rashi says, used the words, Take out my atzomais. Why did he speak? Why did he refer to himself as bones? That's like not respectful. So the Gemara says, Because he did not fully protest when his father was spoken about in a demeaning manner to call during the time when no one knew he is who he is. So the brothers were appealing to the visery of Paroi and they said five times, and let's not forget that Yosef HaTzadik made believe as if he does not understand Loshan HaKodesh. Ki the Torah says. So whenever they said in Hebrew, your, your slave, our father, it was interpreted in Egyptian, Avdecha Avinu. That's a ten times, which is why he lost ten years of his life. So because of the disrespect to his father, he himself disrespected himself, and he spoke about his bones. And the same thing, Why did Yosef HaTzadik pass away before his brothers? So here the Gemara is not saying because of Avdecha Avi, because he allowed the word Avdecha to be used. We just use that for something else, for the words Atzomais. So here we're saying another statement. Because he carried himself with Rabbanos. Rabbanos means with authority. That means he used his authority excessively. Continues the Gemara of Yosef, Hurad Don't say that Yosef was brought down to Egypt. Elohoyed. Yosef HaTzadik brought the Egyptians down. How did he bring the Egyptians down? Shohoyed. It's Tagnine Paroi Migdulasan. Paroi looked up to who are the greatest, who are the most respected members in Paris court, the stargazers. But when they were unable to interpret the dream of Pari and Yosef was, so who took their place? Yosef. So they were demoted. He demoted them. He brought them down. Then it says that Vayikaneu Poitifar Srispari, that Poitifar Srispari bought. Yosef for a slave. Amarav, you should know, that he bought him for himself. In other words, that Yosef HaTzadik was one of the most handsome men that ever lived, and he bought him for homosexual purposes. Or another version, Gavriel emasculated him. He nurtured him. He made him impotent. How do we know that? It says Poitifar. First the title calls him Poitifar. And now the title calls him Poitifera. And the last three letters, Para, Pera, means to murder. Says the Mishnah, in other words, who was treated with as much covet as Moshe Rabbeinu, who occupied, who was busied in burying Moshe Kaviyachal Hashem himself. Now, it says in the, it says the Gemara of Echuli, Hashem told me, in other words, it's much for you. He was asking again and again, 515 times, right? Let me go over and enter the Holy Land. And Hashem tells him, Rav Lach. So Amal Rav Levi, continuing with the concept of Midah, Kenegin Midah, that with the word Rav, he lectured others using the word Rav, 
much as for you, Berav Bisruhu, he got lectured by God Almighty with the same words that Berav Bis said, where is that? When he told Kairach, Rav Lochem, you should be happy with the fact that you are a Levi. You want to be a Kayin? Rav Loch, it's much for you. I, Kairach shouldn't have rebelled. So that's a very important Hasidic of art. Of course he shouldn't have rebelled. But there was something good to be learned from Kairach, which is he aspired to get closer to God. And that inspiration is very good. You know, it's good that you want to be a Kohen Gadol. Good for you. You can't be a Kohen Gadol. That wasn't destined for you. But the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu told him, Rav Lach, you have already enough. Be happy, Beruchnis, with what you have. So Hashem told the same words to Moshe Rabbeinu. Berav Bisru. Hashem tells him, Rav Lach. Rav Lach means, Rav Yesh Lach. You already have another Rav. And who was that? Yehoshua. And as Rashi says, reading inside Rashi, that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu that the time of Yeshua's rule came, and sometimes Chazal add the words, in No, you can't have two people sharing the same crown. Since it's Yeshua's time, so there's already a new Rav, Rav Loch, back in the Gemara Dover a third interpretation. Rav Loch means, Shaloi Yoimru, stop davening, because the observer should not say, wow, look, Harav Kamakosha, look how uh, hard the master is, and look how much the Talmud is being a Sarban. Sarban means he's imploring. So the Talmud is imploring, please, 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 and the Rav is not giving in. It makes Hashem, Kaviyochel, don't not look merciful. And why was Moshe Rabbeinu not allowed? In other words, the famous words that we have in Hasidus, that according to the Koyach of the camel, accordingly, do you load it up with the weight? And therefore, since Moshe Rabbeinu, on his level, on his level, made the mistake of the Meimiriva. So the harder you are, the more is expected of you. Or in the positive, being that Moshe Rabbeinu gave up his life for the benefit of the Jewish people, him being buried in the Midbar, as we have in Masech the Sanhedrin, that called Yisrael, Yesh lem chelik haba. And then we speak about the people there, Chutz, that don't have chelik haba. Including in that small group are the Mesei Midbar, that they do not have a portion in the world to come, but that's only if Moshe Rabbeinu would not have been buried with them. But as the Gemara says over there, now that Moshe Rabbeinu is buried with them, and Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, is getting up, so everyone else is getting up. So Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, you constantly chose to do that which is better for the people, you passing away in the desert is better for the people. I, how can you tolerate such a thing? Such a mysterious nefesh, says the Gemara, yeah, lefum gam l'shich, l'mayish Rabbeinu was able to tolerate all of that. And Rehim and Aleim, Moshe Rabbeinu told the people, ben mei ha'esem shona anoichi hayoyim, I am today 120 years old, asks the Gemara, she'ein talmud loymer hayoyim, why is the word hayoyim needed? Answers the Gemara, hayoyim, today, molu yomai v'shanoi say, today I turn a full year. L'olam d'chadis teaches you, sh'ha'kodesh baruch hu mashlim sh'neshem shal tzadikim, that Hashem completes the years of tzadikim, miyoyim liyoyim, umechaydesh l'chaydesh, from day to day and from month to month. As it says, as mispar yomecha amale, I will fully fill the days, not only the years, the days of your life. Now, I, other tzaddikim, don't always pass away on their birthday. That's not a kasha. Because once a person's mission is finished, if they are granted a new mission, a new shlichas, for the new shlichas, they get new kaychas, they get new life. 
Moshe Rabbeinu was not being granted new life because, as we just mentioned, it was for the benefit of the people for him to be buried in the desert. Other tzaddikim also initially have a amount of time designated, and that finishes exactly on their birthday. But they are sometimes, or most times, given additional missions to do, and for that they need exactly the time needed. And that additional mission doesn't always add up to a full year. Just to add one more interesting nakuda, which is that if you speak about filling up one's year, we just learned yesterday, Moshe Rabbeinu was born on Zion Adar. So when does the year finish? When does it become filled? On the 6th of Adar. The 7th of Adar is already the first day of the new year. It's a big kash on this. So one of the answers is, there's a concept called Ein Shiltoin B'yayim Hamavis. That the final day of a person's life, of every person's life, they have no power over their faculties. And to a certain degree, they have no freedom of choice. So that final day doesn't count. So when was he fully able to do what he wanted to do? Up until Vav Adir, that's one approach. Then he continues, I can no longer go out and come. In other words, that implies that his vigor, that his koyach was weakened. My What did that mean? What do you think? Moshe Rabbeinu lost his strength? It says in the Chumash, His vigor was not diminished. And furthermore, it says, that Moshe Rabbeinu went from the plains of Moyav El, Har Nevoi to the Mount Nevoi, and we learned that Shtayim the Esrei Milois Hayyusham that there were twelve steps on that mountain, and they symbolized the twelve Shvatim and many other things. Moshe was physically strong when he was hundred and twenty years old that he jumped up twelve steps with one jump. Now, really, we're not supposed to take large footsteps, but that's because it can diminish one's eyesight. But here he was about to pass away. He didn't need that. said, I'm losing my ability to go out and to come in the words of Torah. teaches us that that certain gates of wisdom that God granted to Moshe as a gift, they were closed off for him. Ulai, perhaps the, mo- the moment Moshe Rabbeinu felt that his ability in Torah was diminished, it was easier for him to make peace with the fact that he's about to pass away. Then it says, So Tanabi learned that even though we just said that that one king and there's another king. But on that Shabbos, and according to our Gemara, like we have in Menachas and Machlekes, but we're going to go according to those who hold that Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, not on Erev Shabbos, but on Shabbos, which is one of the reasons why we say Shabbos afternoon, Sid Koscha, actually we say three psukim, expressing God, God's justice, Tzadoy Kadin said by burials, because we had three great tzaddikim that passed away Shabbos afternoon, at least according to most versions, Moshe Rabbeinu, let's go, Yosef HaTzadik, Moshe Ndavan HaMelech. So Tana, we learned that Oisha Shabbos shall diu zugei hoisa. It was of two peers. Diu means two. Where did we have that? Remember that? First of all, tav lemetav tan du. But then we way back down in Gedanks and Shabbos, we have this word du. That means two. The, the power of kingdom was taken away from Moshe and transferred to Yehoshua. And either Vitanya or without the Vitanya, Amr Rabbi Yehuda, Mikra Kasuf, that the following, if not for it being explicitly written in the Pasik, we would not be able to say the following, which is, Where did Moshe pass away? 
in the portion that belonged to Reuven. How do we know that? Because it says, He went to, Ma- to Mount Nevoi. Where is Mount Nevoi? We know that it's in the portion that was given later to Yeruven. Don't forget Reuven and God. Right and Chatzis Shevet Menashe got the portion Meiver LaYardin and Unavay Bechalkei Shul Reuven Kaima as it says Ubenei Reuven Banu and amongst the things that they built was Ve'es Nevoi and why was it called Nevoi in parentheses because Nevoi has in its root prophecy Nevoa because there on that mountain or there in that area three great Sadikim passed away it doesn't say buried it says passed away and that, those were Moshe and Aaron and Miriam. Let's leave that. And the Eichon Moshe cover, but on the other hand, where was Moshe Rabbeinu buried? In the portion that belonged to God. How do we know that? Because when he was giving his brachas to God, it says, Vayar, graciously, that God saw that the beginning is good for him. Beginning meaning that he got from the beginning of the inheritance. Because they got, Me'ever layarding. And... The Pasik really continues, and that's the Vigoimer, that Shom, Chelkas, Mechoikek, Sofim. That over there in the portion of, of, of God is the place where the Mechoikek, the law giver, is buried. Who is the Mechoikek? So he passed away in the Chelek of Reuven. He was buried in the Chelek of God. Until that Chelkesh God, how you do a space, have a four million. Four million is approximately four miles. So how did Moshe Rabbeinu, after he passed away, get from here to there? So we have two, two versions. And from the beginning, did he pass away? Did he not pass away? One opinion holds that Moshe Rabbeinu passed away and he was, so to say, laying on the wings of Hashem's presence. And the Malachi Hashodas were saying regarding the greatness of Moshe that Sitkas Hashem Asa, that he carried out the righteousness of Hashem, and Hashem's ordinances he taught with the Jewish people. Or in Israel, this implies perhaps that they were speaking about to Moshe Rabbeinu's ability to make sure the Jewish people keep all the mitzvahs. And whenever they didn't, they were, so to say, forced to do so. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said the opposite. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you know what the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu is? Mi yakum li imeneim. Who made me stand amongst evildoers? In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu's power was that even if there were evildoers, even if there were people that were payali oven, Moshe Rabbeinu in them made God real. Mi yisyatsev, who stood me up with the payali oven. Oshmol says, who was like the wise, and who knows how to make compromises? Or another version that Hashem was eulogizing him, that you can only have wisdom when you feel that you are a ayin, and the epitome of another was Moshe Rabbeinu. Rav Nachman says that you should know that Salmiyoin Omar, Salmiyoin says, Amalach was crying out. And, and the Malach was saying, Vayomos Shom Moshe. Moshe died, Safra Rabbi Yisrael, the great scholar. Or Tanya Rabbi Yazir Oimer, Rabbi Yazir Hagadol Oimer, Shnaim Asr Mil, we spoke this out by Oig Malach Haboshan, Al Shnaim Asr Mil, right? The four, the three parsa, every parsa is four mil, that the Jewish encampment took up the space of 12 and 12 mil. And that's connected Mach Mashchina, that in that entire area, Baskoil Mashmiya Oimer, that everyone heard a heavenly voice crying out, Vayomos Moshe Safra Rabbi Yisrael. And as the Holy Baal Shem Tov said, that Hashem, Sefer Torah, are the Jewish people. Every Jew is a letter in the scroll. But a tzaddik, a tzaddik represents all of the Jewish people. 
So maybe Safra Rabbah doesn't mean the great scholar or the great scribe. That he was the great book, that Moshe Rabbeinu is the safer tide of the Jewish people. So there are those people who hold that Moshe Rabbeinu passed away and he was eulogized. So who carried him from Reuven to God? God. But you had the Echinix guys all the way back from the beginning. Moshe Rabbeinu never died. How do we know that? Because it says, it says that he died. But then it says that during the days that he got to Torah, he was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And just like when he was on top of the mountain, it looked like he passed away, but he didn't really pass away. He was actually standing and serving God. Afkan, now today, today in Tavshin Ayin Vav, Moshe Rabbeinu is Oymed, he's standing and he's serving the Jewish people. And it's Hashem to be continued.